0: spoke on the of course every night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on the church in Ephesus and starting in Acts chapter 20 and verse 16 it says for Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia for he hasted if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost and from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Say that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, for so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. What a statement that he, he has shared with everybody he was supposed to. The, the gospel. and He is not guilty of anyone's blood on his hands should they die and go to hell without salvation because he shared the gospel with them. But then he says to the elders in Ephesus from verse 17, he says this in verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Take heed, pay attention to the flock. Why? Verse 29, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So Paul is saying to these people, these leaders, these elders in Ephesus, the church there, that you need to take heed as shepherds because... After my departing, grievous wolves will enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise. In other words, not just from the outside, but even from the inside. Will men arise and speak perverse things to draw away and cause church split and whatever. Verse 31, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. How do we watch? How do you and I watch? I think Watch and pray goes together. And so we have to understand that, that just like the church in Ephesus, so grievous wolves and Satan's attack will come here. And so we have to watch and pray. And I don't think any of us in here, including me, would stand up and say that I'm praying more than I need to, or that I'm even praying as much as I need to. <clears throat> and that, let me just remind you as we turn to Ephesians now in chapter 3, That even though this was a great church. This church that was at Ephesus. It no longer exists today. Because eventually it did die out. Eventually it petered out. And maybe there's descendants of that church somewhere else. But that church doesn't exist today. I don't know how long we will go as Mountain View Baptist Church. For another 25 years or 50 years or 100 years. But if the Lord doesn't come before then, it's possible that this church could stop existing. I mean, after all, most of us in here won't be alive 75 years from now. And so we need to realize that these things can happen. But you know what's really sad is when it happens not because of age, but because of sin and attacks from Satan. And so we need to be aware of that. And it is important that you pray for one another and that's what we're going to talk about tonight is our praying and our praying for one another and I would appreciate you praying for me and for my family because we probably get attacked more than we even realize and maybe more than you might realize but Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 14 we'll pick it up here for this cause I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ I pray for this right here Verse 15, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That you would grant, and by the way, that's just all of the Christians, all of the believers. I believe that includes Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And I believe it includes Karen Adams and Joyce Cruz and everybody else. It includes all the saved, of whom the whole family in heaven already and in earth still is named. That he would grant you, Jesus God, would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And so as you heard already before I just want to review these four points and I would like for these four points to be put into our, our prayer list that we have along with the names of our members and these verses to be put in there as well to remind us of where we get this from. Number one, the first prayer request is that we would be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Not just personally, but then the others, our, our wife, our husband, our children, that we would tonight, tomorrow, next week, just remember to pray this thing for one another. That we would pray that Dallas would be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man. That Dave would be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man. That Jeff would be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That every one of us would have an inner strength. What was the two things that we talked about last week that everyone seems to pray for at church? And it's, it's legitimate. I mean, we've got someone that's currently uh, in a home that wants to get home to his home so he can come back to church. And so it's legitimate that we pray for health. But typically, the predominant prayer requests that we have in churches is about two things, and I, and I use two words that rhyme, health and wealth. That's the two things we're most concerned about. And yet both of those things are so temporary, are so not really important in the big picture. They're just temporary. You say, wait a minute, you've got to have health and wealth. Yeah, for the first hundred years of your life. But once you go into eternity, you're not going to need either one. You're supposed to lay up your treasures in heaven. Let me show you a passage. Keep your finger in Ephesians chapter three, but go with me to third John. Third John. How often does that get mentioned? Third John, all fourteen verses of Third John. We're going to read the first few verses, all right? Third John. Still John, but it's the third of the three epistles called John. And John says this to the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. He's writing this to Gaius, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth in truth. I I believe what that's saying there is, is that John led Gaius to the Lord and now Gaius was his spiritual child in the faith so to speak. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Now maybe he's talking about his literal children. Either way it's a great verse and we have a picture of all four of our children with that verse next to it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That is a great joy. But I want you to notice, we read it kind of quick, but did you notice verse two? Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now, what's different about that than what you normally hear? Let me let me tell you what's different about that. I pray that you'll be as healthy physically as I know you are on the inside. That's a compliment. Let me ask you a question. How healthy would your body be if it was as healthy as your soul is right now? Anybody in here got more healthy on the outside than you are on the inside? Because that's wrong. Paul said bodily exercise profiteth little. There's profit in it. But did you notice the reverse of this prayer request? I pray that your body will be as healthy as I know your soul is. If you're a Christian, that ought to be your number one priority. And everybody out there ought to know what you emphasize the most. We all have health issues and there's nothing wrong to pray with our health. In fact, he's praying for Gaius' health. But what if we were to pray that way about you? What if someone said, "Lord, please please help pastor's health physically to be as good as his soul's health." It reminds me of when the preacher bowed his head with the car salesman and said, "Lord, please bless this car salesman and and give him blessings and be be favorable to him as he deserves. And the car salesman's like, (laughs) Uh, he knew he didn't deserve it. He knew he wasn't honest. So when we are talking about the inner man, we're talking about the soul. And we're talking about being strengthened in the inner man. If I heard that one of my four children had a major health problem tonight, I would be concerned like you would be concerned I would be I would be wanting to know what we can do and what's going on and yet I have to tell you that it isn't as important as the inner man and it isn't and so when we're praying as much as we pray for the health of each other Let's remember to pray for the inside of each other, the inner man. Strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's how you need to pray for me. I hope that's how you'll pray for me. If you've been praying for me to grow new hair, forget it. It's a waste of time. If you're praying for me to get tall, dark, and handsome, forget it. It isn't going to happen. I would like to have good health enough to operate and do the job God's given me to do. But honestly, I can do the job God's given me to do without perfect health or even above average health. It's harder, but it can be done. But you and I both know that I can't do a good job when the inner man's lousy, when there's cancer in the inner man. So... We need to consciously think about our own inner man and the inner man of one another. And wouldn't that fix a lot of problems if our inner man was more healthy than our out? Because you and I both know we tend to focus on the outward. We tend to feed the outer man more than we feed the inner man, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's number one. Number two. The second prayer request that we need to pray concerning the strength in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And as Brother Bill was saying just last week, not that you get saved because you weren't saved. Obviously, at this point, if you're part of the church, you're already saved. You're, that, that part's settled. But that Christ would dwell in your heart by faith. I I do think that there's a difference between just being saved and having the Holy Spirit of God in you and having Christ dwelling in your heart. With your finger in Ephesians we go to Romans chapter 8. I want to show you a a few things about this. in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9. But ye are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. You are not to be in the flesh but in the spirit. If the spirit of God dwell in you that's that's the main thrust here, look at verse thirteen. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. What does that mean? if that's what your mind is on, if that's what you're focused on, if that's what your living is on, you shall die and that's true i mean if if you're just a fleshly person, you're going to die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. The Bible teaches us to mortify the flesh. What does that mean? Uh, chapter 12 says a living sacrifice a sacrifice yet still alive mortify the deeds of the body you shall live we are led by the spirit of god to do such a thing and so in colossians 3 it says it and galatians chapter 2 verse 20 i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live if we would mortify our flesh. And so that's the second thing about this is that we would let Christ dwell in our hearts, but we can't if we're not going to mortify the flesh. We have to, we have to clean house. Um, Jesus isn't going to live and dwell in a relaxed way in a dirty place. And our flesh is dirty. Dirty. And so we mortify. If you don't know what mortify means, it's the same idea as mortician and mortuary. It's all about death. It's about putting to death your flesh and living with the inner man being in charge. Mortifying the deeds of the body you shall live. Then notice verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. What I like about these verses is, is when you are strengthened in your inner man, there's no doubt of your salvation i used to doubt my salvation i i didn't and i haven't been doubting my salvation for quite some time as my inner man started to get stronger and the bible says that the spirit of god speaks in verse 16 and bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of god and what a blessing when you have christ dwelling in your heart all of a sudden, it solidifies your little s spirit. And the spirit solidifies your spirit that you are saved. What, a, what an encouraging thing. See, someone who's constantly doubting their salvation is not growing and maturing like they ought to. And so it's a blessing to finally get that settled and to have that inner man strengthened to know that. I don't know if this is the case or not, but I kind of think it might be. I think one of the things about me personally is that I've almost died a lot. I don't recommend trying that, but that's just how it's been for me. I've woken up in hospital rooms and ERs and whatnot too many times to count and too many times to talk about, but it's come close lots of times just because of the medical issue that I have. And every time I wake up, sooner or later, I have to think, what if this had been the last time? That'll get you to thinking about whether or not you're saved or not. I'm talking about mortifying the flesh. But you know what? It's good to be strengthened in the inner man, and it's good to have your hearts dwelling, Christ dwelling in your heart, because it causes you to not doubt your salvation. Now, look at verse number 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Another thing about Christ dwelling in your heart is that you're praying with spiritual guidance. And you're praying even when you don't know what to say or what to pray, the Spirit can help you when you don't even know what to put into words. And the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God guides us and gives us guidance. We all need guidance. I prayed for Dallas earlier tonight because Dallas is about to make some decisions that are important. He needs guidance. And so what should I be praying for Dallas? What should we be praying? That he be... That he, that he get the best job offered? No, that he is strengthened in the inner man so that he knows the right guidance and so that he makes wise decisions based on that inner man guidance that God gives us through his spirit because we're, he's dwelling in our hearts. <clears throat> he's not just in the corner, but he's dwelling. He, he, he owns the place, so to speak. He dwells there. Like he was saying last week, make yourself at home. And then notice the rest of these verses. Verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did not for know, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he may be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he... Not with him also freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, yea, nay, in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The last thing about the inner man I want to mention to you is when he's dwelling in you, you're confident. You're confident you're confident in the outcome. We know all things work together for good. I don't like all things, but it all works together for good. There's lots of lousy things. There's lots of really lousy things and yet it all works together for good. There's a good there's a good outcome from it. You don't have to be upset with God because if you're a Christian, if God be for us, who can be against us? There's no reason to not be confident. You say, "But I'm not confident in my health." Neither am I but I'm confident in my God. But I'm not confident in my wealth. Neither am I, but I'm confident in my God. I'm not confident that that everything I think I need is gonna happen. I just know that my God knows what I need and all things work together for good. That's confidence. And you and I need it and our neighbors need to see it. And if our neighbors would see more of it, they might be impressed with our God. In Acts chapter 16, a jailer saw confidence in Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas said, don't kill yourself. We're all here. None of us have escaped. And the jailer said, I want what you have. Because if I was you, I'd have took off running. So we need to pray that our inner man is strengthened and that's going to happen by God dwelling not just there but at home taking over the place then back in Ephesians chapter number 3 the third one Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17b the second half of verse 17 that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth of and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you would be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ for you, for, for you the love that Christ has for you and the love that we can have for one another I'm not there yet how about you I, I'm, not, I'm not where I should be in all the love of Christ. The more we experience the forgiveness and mercy and grace of God, the more we recognize how much He loves us and and we love Him only because He first loved us. And when we when we are exposed to how awful we really are as people and as sinners, it encourages us and reminds us of the grace of God. Miss Wilma was teaching about John Newton earlier tonight to the young people. And at the end, when he was about to die, he said, I think, I think this is what he said. I know that I'm a great sinner and he's a great savior. Did I get that right? Guess what? The older I get, I know I'm a great sinner and he's a great savior. And you know why that's so important that I figure that out? Because there's going to be more great sinners coming in here sooner or later. There's going to be more great sinners that I'm going to run into. And they need to hear from me that I'm a great sinner, but I have a great Savior. And so even though you're a great sinner, you can, be a, you can have the same great Savior. And being rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, it's the foundation, rooted and grounded. That's, we're founded on that. And then to comprehend four dimensions, not three-dimensional, four-dimensional, And none of us in here have have totally explored or experienced the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of the love of God. And then it says in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, to know it, which passeth knowledge. That means, this is what I think it means, to understand the unknown. To understand that which can't be understood. To understand thing, And, and you know what? That's what Christian, Christianity is. It's you and I getting to know God. And pretty soon people are like, I think they're a little weird. They marked to a beat, beat of a different jump. I don't understand. I don't understand what they're talking. They don't understand. I heard a preacher on the radio this morning say, quit arguing with people about stuff. They ain't going to get it until they get saved. He's right. He said, if they get saved, they'll figure it out that God created the world. It's true. I mean, we can't just argue with people about stuff. If they're not even saved, they're not not even the same frequency. And so we need to understand they don't understand. We need to understand they don't get it. And so we need to understand that we are privileged to have some understanding that the world doesn't have. <clears throat> and yet you and I haven't even explored it all, have we? And so the prayer request is that we be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ for, that he has for us and that we are then to have for others. So three out of four. Four strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that he would not just be there kind of as a guest but that he would be at home there taking over the place dwelling in our hearts and that we would be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ and number 4 verse 19 and that you might be filled with all the fullness of God I don't even know how I can describe that because I don't know the, the, the fullness of God other than that he is the He is the fullness of everything. But I do know this, that our passage does include the Trinity. Our passage mentions God the Father in verse 14. Our passage mentions the Spirit in verse 16 and our passage mentions Christ in verse 17. He is the Godhead and we are to be filled with the fullness of of God earlier tonight during Anchor Club Mikey had an assignment in his anchor book to write a letter to a public servant and he decided to write a letter to someone at the sheriff's office and he invited that sheriff to church and, and put a track in with the letter I thought what if what if this person were to actually come out of just out of being impressed and if they came what would they experience would they experience what it goes on to talk about in chapter 4 where it says verse 1 I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the location wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness with long suffering forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Skip down to verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Notice verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, and that ye henceforth be no more children or immature, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. In other words, would our guests see a mature body of believers or a maturing body of believers that you would stop being children, that there would be unity in the body of Christ? There just ought not be any gossip or backbiting amongst us we might have to do battle about issues sometimes but if it's within a local church family it ought not be we ought to be able to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the body in the bond of peace and we ought to be able to grow up in the unity of faith and spiritual maturity it was a blessing to hear a lady who is a member of our church tell me earlier today I didn't know nothing till I started coming here. That was and and just sincere, honest questions and just I was encouraged just to just to hear her talk and just visit with her for a little bit. And and I and yet I remember when the first time that, that she came to our co on Wednesday morning Somebody was giving me grief as she walked in the door. <laughs> and I thought, oh, what an awful time for her to walk in the door with this person you know, talking. And, and, and thankfully, she didn't stop coming. But you understand how often we just all of a sudden get our dander up at the wrong time? I wonder how many times that I was in the flesh about something and a visitor was like, I ain't never come back here. That guy's an idiot. I wonder how many times someone's fought with somebody else and argued or backbite or whatever, or maybe, you know, you're working with somebody and you're just having roast preacher at work, you know, that preacher so or or that deacon or that person and Blah, blah blah And then a week or two later, I happen to meet your coworker and I say, Hey, would you like to come to Mountain View Baptist Church? I think that happens. But but the main reason why we should that we should be filled with the fullness of God is because God wants us to grow up and mature until we are complete or perfect as a perfect man complete the stature and the fullness of Christ that if a visitor came in and saw us operating they would say this these people are Christ like the next person that's getting baptized said something like that, that i just feel like this is where i need to be in church praise the lord to hear that but you know what if if i heard that satan heard it too and remember what what they warned Ephesus about. There's going to be wolves coming in. There's going to be attacks and there's going to be all kinds of spiritual opposition. Somebody said it. If you're doing something for God, Satan's going to be doing something to you. The churches that aren't doing anything for God are the ones that Satan's not messing with. They're already doing his business by not doing God's business. And so the fourth is that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Not just the knowledge of how to get saved. Paul said that I may know him. That we would be filled. And that's why I think we need to be in church more than less. Hebrews says, as you see the day approaching, you ought to be doing it more and more, not less and less. Filled with the fullness of God. And back there in Ephesians chapter 4 it goes on in verse 4 and it talks about some of these things and the the body being one body joined together as members and it goes on to say in verse number 23 be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man verse 25 wherefore put away lying speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another Verse 26, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed in the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's what the fullness of God produces. So those are the four requests that we need to be praying. That Jeff, and Ross, and Josh, and Joseph, and Joey, and Dave, And Ron be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ would not just be their savior, but that he would really dwell in their hearts. That they would become rooted and grounded in love. And that they would be filled with the fullness of God. And then verse 20 and 21 of chapter 3 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, According to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. It might sound impossible. It might seem like it'll never happen. But it can, because he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And so, if you're like me, you pray a couple times, and then you say, forget it, he's not going to answer. How about a couple thousand times? How about a couple million times? Just, Just continue to wait for him to do it that's the prayer requests we need to have those four things and all you got to do is go to ephesians chapter 3 and look at the last few verses and you'll see it and just keep praying that and thinking about that and that's what i need to do that's what my family needs to do that's what everybody in our church family needs to do is to just be reminded to pray for another and it's true if you'll pray for people it's hard to be mad at people isn't it true it's hard to sin against someone you're praying for if you're seriously praying for them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder we had last week and this week. Help us to realize that if our church is if our church is something for you, then Satan doesn't want it to be. So help us to pray for one another these ways, these four ways. And to pray with belief, knowing that you're able and pray with humility and pray with with sincerity and that you would make a difference and that you would be the one shining and that all of a sudden others in the in our community would realize there's something different because we've changed and we're changing and we're maturing help us to do so we ask in jesus name amen